Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. I'm John Martin. And I'm Dean Reverman. Dean, um, you know, we recently did some air travels. Yes. You know, to yes. go to Vartech and Travel back. to Vartech, yep. Uh, mm. My first time traveling. Actually, not. I take it back. It hadn't been too long, but yeah. you know, at least for anything business related. Yes. Air travel right. is a little bit of a, a nightmare sometimes. Sometimes, absolutely. I mean, Whoa. did you see the lines? Yes. Have you seen? Yes. There was a huge security line. It wasn't like, you know, took forever, but just a long line. Flights are cramped. Flights are packed. Prices are, are not Through great. Through the roof, yeah. Yeah. Where are you going? Yeah. Well, uh, you know. if there's one thing I do still enjoy about the airline experience, yes, though, yes. it's that there's a lot of them have self-service. Oh, so this like is so true. When you check in, yes. check a bag, you can do all mm-hmm. that stuff at a kiosk. You don't have to Way wait more a efficient. huge long line I walk for that up, part, I print my little thing, boom, gone. Yep, go get off somebody, the bag. you're done. And, Love it. And then you go stand in line. Then lines. you go stand in line. Right. But at least that part... <laughs> Line free. We got the bag sh- figured much out. Much shorter and simpler, yes. <laughs> we'll work on the other stuff. So right. Somehow yeah. need self-service security, I don't think that's really going to work. So, yeah. you know, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, figure yeah. something else right. out. Well, we're talking about self-service in general yes. today. Yes, yes. And kind of the the overall progression of it. We've got Luke Wilverding back on with us from ELO. Looks awesome. He's going to yeah. help us dive a little bit into the history of self-service, mm. kind of where we came from. Uh, why we're here. Why kind we're of here yeah. now, All where right. we're going with it. We're going to address some of the concerns people still have about self-service and mm-hmm. self-checkout. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, there's an interesting article I came across that kind of acts as if, you know, self-checkout is something that nobody really wants, which I right? strongly debate I, against. I, uh, I don't agree with the article. But anyway, we'll get exactly. into that. Yeah, we're yeah, gonna yeah. Talk, so we're going to talk about where we are, yep. why we're here, who wants it, who does, who, why they want it. Yep. Uh, Luke's got some interesting kind of philosophies behind that mm. to share, I think. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about form factor, what's next, and, of course, where you live fits into the this Perfect. whole thing. Yeah, so, sounds like a good one. There we go. We're, we can't solve air travel, but no. we can at least explain how self-service <laughs> works and why and you should be out there selling it. There you go. Yeah, uh, all that plus our usual value to the VAR and what's tech connecting with us. It's time to plug in and get connected. Welcome to the Tech Connect Podcast. It's time to get connected. All right, as I mentioned, our guest today, third time on the show, which I don't know we've had any other guest outside of Cordy, Cordy on right. more we than We need to twice. come up with that green blazer or something, We do, right? something you know? like yeah. that, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That would probably need to be blue. Since, blue. You know, yeah, blue, blue blazer. Star. Why do I go, yeah, green. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, Luke Welwarding is the VP of North American Sales for ELO. Luke, welcome back to the show. We're glad to have you back. What have you been up to the last uh, six, eight months or so since the last time we had you on? Glad to be back. Uh, Elo's just been working away, man. We're uh, we're out there making a difference, so uh, we're having a good time, keeping busy. Yeah. There you go. Well, it's hey, been hard at work. Yeah, we appreciate having you at Vartech as always. You know, you guys are always out there. Yeah, good no presence. Doubt. You know, an awesome presence. Saw the you know, the cool yeah. Elo shirts. Very creative. Uh, this you guys year. did the bar thing, right? Yeah, they did yeah, the yeah. bar thing. Like yeah. had a little like mm-hmm. bar set up. Yeah, yeah. Right. our producer Market is showing off his. He's got his. Oh, he's Elo got his Elo shirt, right shirt on today. As a matter of fact, there you go. Yeah. So always appreciate the support there. Yeah. Uh, but hey, let's let's get into this topic. Let's talk about self service because uh, you know we, we you sent over some really interesting talking points here of, of things you wanted to get into, mm-hmm. and the reason why I brought up the airline thing is that was in particular something you mentioned that you know that the airlines you know really were one of the the earliest industries to really get on board with this they idea were, of self service, sure. yep. um, which again thinking about all the ways that airlines 
don't seem to be very advanced <laughs> or where they should be. It's surprising that they were on board with this before anything else. Yeah. So let's take us back to the 90s uh, when that industry or any other industries that you know decided to like, hey, let's let's try out surf service and see where, where it takes us. What were they looking at? What were they seeing then? And what's happened since then? Or at least, you know, for them, what's happened since then? Well, I'd, just, I'd start with it's, it's uh, identifying a practical need and creating a solution. And when you looked at checking in at an airport check-in counter, every one of those transactions took three to five, three to six minutes. And so when you had a plane, you're trying to load 100, 200 passengers, you could kind of calculate to say, wow, we've got to think of something different. People are going to continue to have to wait in lines, or I need to have quite a few different folks uh, at the gates checking people in. And so self-service at this touch point was a really a natural piece. What I like, though, and, and why I talk about the airline so much is that it wasn't just the mechanical aspect uh, of people going in and trying to figure it out and, and using these. You know, back in the 90s, they, the gate agents, the, the people checking in, they, they dropped to there's three or four of them. There used to be 10. And so when they started reducing those headcounts, they, they drove people to the kiosk. You could only use the kiosk uh, for the most part, but they still considered the human factor. And I want to talk a lot about the human factor today, but there was still that ambassador, that, that person, that smiley face that came out, they helped you understand how to use the technology. It wasn't just here's self-service, it's for you, the self-person to go figure it out. Uh, the airlines had these ambassadors that made it easy, made it comfortable and brought a human factor, which is so important. But I like to go back to this practical need, create a solution, uh, ATMs. ATMs were some of the first kiosks ever in the world. And those kiosks were so practical because banks were only open, let's call it nine to five. And you wanted to get your money out when the banks were closed. Everyone wanted a couple bucks at night, let's say. Uh, so the ATMs became a natural progression to that practical need. And I think we're seeing more and more of that in today's world, especially with changing preferences. And think about the 90s. If we if we could just go for those of us that lived through the 90s, <laughs> there were no smartphones. It, no, not, no, not everybody had a touchscreen in yep, their pocket. Yep. So the headwinds that and they you couldn't were do facing, a lot on your computer back then if you even had one. Well, not a laptop. In the 90s. I yeah, mean, exactly. Yeah, yeah. No laptops, if you had a laptop, yeah. dude. It was pretty chunky yeah, yeah, and it didn't exactly. do a lot and stuff like that. So you know, to Luke's point, I mean, uh, everything that he he was talking about there. But when you think about the atmosphere back then, I mean, there were a lot of headwinds in society right. and just adapting and what what are you trying to do wait wait what is this uh, and so i like that we're going to get into the human factor but yeah i mean there were there it was a different world back yep. in the yep. 90s people i mean just the touch screen alone i can i don't know i i'm sure there's video out there of people like walking up to a kiosk or like a touch screen like what the hell am i supposed to do with this thing what do you what do you <laughs> thus the need for the assistance right luke right. i mean even to this day although i will say that i'm noticing less and less of the gate agents right, uh, you right. know helping people because now we all kind of get it, right, or at least most right. of us get it, you know, unless there's like a, a huge line or something like right. that, um, that there's the need for that. But anyway, yeah, 90s yeah. Were, were different time. Yeah, they very much yeah. so were. Yeah. But, but I, you know, it's, I, but I do love to always, I, I love to see industries that think about this stuff ahead of time. Mm -hmm. And again, like the airline industry fascinates me because like, like a, yeah, I joked about, you know, it's not one you usually associate with you know, excessive innovation when it comes to customer service right. and, you know, right. and making things smoother and easier. We, yeah. we tend yeah, to yeah. complain more often than not about it. But yeah, to your, to that point though, there was, there was a need there. ATM is another perfect example of, uh, uh, you know, as you mentioned right up front, mm -hmm. Luke, uh, that there's a, there's a need and let's figure out a solution for it, which 
what do we always talk about on this show? That's the in, that's the entirety of our channel and the existence of what we think our resellers should be doing is right. find needs and yeah. create a solution and for innovate. them. Innovate, yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Be innovative. And there mm-hmm. were some perfect examples. There were some, there were some, I assume, retailers or solution providers way back when that uh, uh, had some really smart ideas when those companies came calling mm-hmm. and asking for mm-hmm. help with something. So, mm-hmm. well, then let's, let's, yeah, I, guys, let's fast forward a little bit on the airline uh, angle and then maybe move on. But think of through COVID. You had fewer travelers, but you have huge terminals. And so how do you staff personnel for uh, the size of the terminals at reduced traveler rates? Guess what? Kiosk picked up the slack. Through that automation, they're able now to staff appropriately through these terminals. They even have airport check-in kiosks off-site. So even before you get to the terminal, you're in the parking garage, you can get your boarding pass, let's say. But there's been so much innovation in so many different ways over the years that uh, they've evolved now. You can check your bags through automation and other ways, again, through practical need. And people have adopted to it. So, again, just a, I love the example of what's occurred in the airline world. Well, then let's, okay, let's get into the decades since. And mm-hmm. I hate to say decades. You know, we talk about the 90s and <laughs> we all probably were like, yeah, that wasn't yes. that long ago, right? No, no it's, 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 we're going on 30 years, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, since, yeah. since the start of the 90s. Way to go, now. John. Yeah, yeah. sorry. Mm-hmm. Don't mean to bring it down here, but uh, we're getting old. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, so outside of some of those specific industries, adoption of self-service was still kind of slow in a lot of yeah. ways. Again, yeah, especially sure. retail, hospitality. I don't yep. feel like we saw that really start ramping up a lot until maybe the last decade mm-hmm. or so. And even then, mm-hmm. there was a lot of hesitance. People still weren't using it the way they should have been. I mm-hmm. always felt like when I would go into a place that had self-service kiosks, I was the lone guy who was doing it. Oh, really? Everyone else is up there standing in line. I'm like, <laughs> all right, that's fine by me. I'll go do my thing. Yeah. But obviously the pandemic changed a lot and we all became a little more embraceive of this technology, mm-hmm. whether we wanted to, for some folks, whether they wanted to or not, it was mm-hmm. just, it was there. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. Let's, you know, talk about where we are now. Why do you think there was hesitation before the pandemic, before we were kind of forced to do this, and it was essentially just kind of thrust on everybody? What's What's been that, you know, what's slowed things down so much in that time between? Well, a lot of it is uh, the desire for convenience. People, and again, I look at generational change, people don't have the same amount of patience they had in the past. And so... Uh, you also have increased labor costs. You have all these various factors that are playing into this. So for a retailer, uh, let's say self-order in, in hospitality, but this idea of self uh, and doing it yourself is becoming being more and more adopted because people like the convenience. They like the idea that maybe I can do it faster. I don't have to wait in line. Uh, I'm a little more reclusive after COVID, let's say. Uh, and I, I don't want to deal with anybody. I just want to check out and go along my way. But a lot of this is, uh, I think there's a, a change in preferences as well as, again, increased labor costs. So how many lanes do you have open at any given time? And this desire for convenience. I don't want to wait in line. I'm happy checking it out myself. Uh, I would say that years ago, we used to buy huge shopping carts of food uh, I think preferences have changed a bit, let's say in the grocery world, where people are checking out with five, 10 items more frequently, so that sort of the grab and go type mentality. Uh, lanes are still open for, for heavy, heavy traffic, but again, it's those preferences. And I think attention spans. People have, uh, if you've surveyed folks, and they would probably have a dissatisfied experience if they had to wait in line. Years ago, if they waited in line for two, three minutes, they might have been fine. Nowadays, they wait in line for 20, 30 seconds. They're like, oh, this is horrible. And so I think these preferences are starting to change. But I also believe that there's this, again, this human factor. Uh, I recently checked out, let's just say, a DIY. 
And uh, I, I went twice that day, forgot a couple things. And, and the first time I went through, I, I checked myself out, smooth as could be, simple process, very fine tuned. The second time, the guy, uh, the, the person there who's always kind of standing there watching over, making sure things are going well, they checked me out. They said, oh, yeah, I got this. And they started scanning everything and, and away they went. So was it self-checkout? Was it assisted checkout? I think you're starting to see this blend now that provides better service, better convenience. And I go back to this human factor that retail hospitality is really figuring out. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, when you look at the, the decades that have that have happened since, you know, I, I if you go back to the early 2000s, you got the scary new tech issue, right? right? right. Oh, no. What right. is this? What is this new technology <laughs> that you're trying to implement? And, and that had real world implications, right. like, for example, unions, you know, if if you have, yeah, if you're yeah. getting into grocery, I mean, Kroger labor unions, one of the bigger ones out there, and I'm sure they weren't too happy about what, right. wait, 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 you're replacing our cashiers right, with, right. with these. So it had some practical Im implications like that, right? I mean, anytime innovative technology comes into the space, whatever the drivers are, whether it's the changing preference, I completely agree with Luke, uh, you know, societal adoption, you know, that has taken a little bit of a time uh, to, to bear here over the last couple of decades. But you got to also think of those other you know headwinds that were right. being faced by the by the industry such things as replacing of union or yeah. of yep. labor i mean that that's a real world issue yep. right and we face that in other innovation oh yeah so i was just going to say we mm. you know we talk about like supply chain automation yeah. yeah anywhere robotics where yep, yep anywhere where you're introducing some sort of automation something mm -hmm. that's you know replacing labor in some way there's always that terror of mm -hmm. oh or this means we're going to take away everybody's jobs and replace them with the robots and in reality you end up reallocating like it, you know, Kroger, for instance, if I go to my local Kroger now, yes, there are less checkout lanes open than before. There's mm -hmm. more self self service there's options a ton than of before. Them. Right. But there's also when I get if I if I'm actually going up and down the aisles in the rare times I'm in the store anymore, there's also a bunch of people out there going around doing the the, the pickup. Mm -hmm. You know, collecting mm -hmm. all the items, putting all those orders together. Those people did not have that job before. There wasn't someone who was going around personally, literally shopping for folks back then. Mm -hmm. That's again, that's someone who probably would have normally been at the checkout register mm -hmm. that is now out there doing another job. Their job didn't get replaced. Their job just got changed in yep. some way. Yep. And I think you know that's obviously like the the, the the smart attitude to have about this stuff. But yes, there's always that terror of oh no, what's going to happen? Absolutely. Uh, Luke, when you were sending over some notes about you know this this whole concept of like adoption of self, there's a, a couple really interesting stats you threw out here about uh, from a uh, an uh, ACA study called Achieving Customer Amazement that talked about um, the, uh, you know, like Gen Z millennials, their attitude towards, you know, self-service and, and, and how they want to get stuff accomplished. And you mm -hmm. mentioned that there was a part of the survey. So the survey also delved into a current self-service usage finding that 71% of respondents use self-service tools. When asked more specifically, when you have a problem or issue with a company or brand, which solution do you prefer to help solve your problem? 49% of Gen Z and 41% of millennials said they would rather use a digital self-service option rather than make a call or talk to a live customer. Wow, agent. that's interesting. Uh, now, I know I'm a middle-aged Gen Xer at this point, but yeah. I'm all on board with them on this. Oh, yeah? I am that guy who I will look for a chat option, an email option, anything I can do to not have to get on a phone and, and dial someone up and have to Even have a conversation. Even in-store? Well, in, yeah, mm, uh, it was well, the, the, I mean, this is more of like, you know, self-service in general, oh, I think, okay, you know, self-service options, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it, but that lends itself to why when people go out to places, mm. again, they want that idea of yep. self-service. Yep. I remember when I used to shop at Meyer pretty regularly. That was like my local mm -hmm. store for a long time. Mm -hmm. Meyer was way on board with a lot of the self-service stuff before Kroger and a lot of other local mm -hmm. stores really mm -hmm. did. Mm -hmm. What I found fascinating is they even introduced, which 
I, not many stores still do really do this, and and I don't know how practical it was, but they introduced self service like if you had a full cart even. Oh, so they had like you go to a self service lane, and they've even got like the whole like you know. Oh the, yeah, right, right. The red, you know, the whole lane out there mm. that you put your groceries on. It rolls down at the end. You had to go down and bag them up yourself. Right. It was as absolute self service as it gets for even if you had an entire cart, not just to pick up a few items. Gotcha. I love that. I don't know why <laughs> I was doing all the work for myself. You know, like, it wasn't getting paid for it. But I enjoyed uh, that for some reason. I guess I'm weird that way. But that was yeah. uh, that. So that very much resonated with me. Is, is that idea, Luke? Did you have any other thoughts on that? Well, I just guys think of the win-win. So we have increased labor costs. Finding employees is probably more difficult than ever in some cases. Uh, so what's the win to the business? The business says, well, hey, I can manage some of the labor costs. I can put people out on the floor. I can be more strategic now with my resources that I'm not doing some of the, the simple mundane tasks that might be checking out or ordering or providing a ticket or something to that effect. Uh, and then the, the other side of that win is for the consumer. They get the benefit of better convenience, faster service. Uh, and, and again, there's still that human factor. There's likely someone there to help them if needed. But there's another stat from that article, just convenience wins business. 75% of customers would switch to a competing brand or company if they found out they were more convenient to do business with. 75%. So when you look at this idea of convenience, how can technology, self-checkout, self-service provide better convenience for both customers when businesses are also struggling to deal with employees' increased labor costs, it's a huge win-win. Yep. That's yep. the tipping point, you know, to, you to, a, to a certain degree, because you're right. It's the changing preferences. I mean, people want, want convenience. It's a little bit yep. more about the experience now, right? And the experience of getting out right. in, in, the, in, the, in the idea of, well, as it relates to hospitality and uh, retail. Right. And you know, you're taking that and matching it up with the businesses and where they're having issues right now. Yep. And those two things, you put them together and you introduce self-service. Yep. Hey, guess what? You're solving everyone's problems. Yeah. You're making yep. it easier on the, the people that want this kind of, you know, transactional or not, or I guess non-transactional <laughs> where you're not actually dealing with people. Right. And you're also dealing with, hey, we've got staffing shortages, labor issues, and, you know, yep. uh, yeah, it's, it's, it seems like kind of a perfect blend at this point. Yep. Well, all right, Luke, let's well, you, go ahead. Well, and I just throw out one other thing here. You look at the size of the market. So I think 2021, it was 22.3 billion. They're forecasting by 2026, this is going to be a $33 billion market. The numbers say that, guys, this thing's growing. It's, it, it is the tipping point. Right. This is there's no slowing this train down. It's moving forward. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Exactly. Well, then let's start talking form factors here then, which, you know, obviously, you know, Elo is out there with the, the display part of things here. But obviously, you know, the form factor of self-checkout has changed over the years. We talked about, you know, the the early days in the 90s of, you know, the, the kiosk. We talked about early ATMs. ATMs have changed a lot. You know, once upon a time, it was all done with, you know, a keyboard. Mm -hmm. You had a screen, but it was pretty much all keyboard driven. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, maybe like old school, like, you know, DOS, you know, green screen type <laughs> stuff. Uh, and now touchscreen, you know, now you can do a touchscreen. You can, hell, you can have them like scan like your your app. Like I can open up my, I again, don't do the ATM very often, but when I do, like I can open up the app and it creates a QR code that I literally just hold on and scan. I don't even have to touch the keypad anymore. Can, can we go back to the old kiosk going back to the airline industry? Yeah. I don't know if you remember these, but they had the QWERTY, key, you know, uh, keyboard. <laughs> and then they had the little roller ball next. Do you remember any? Any of those? Oh so wow! The first time I walked up, I'm having flashbacks. Now. Right. But the first right. time I walked, I'm like, "Am I playing Asteroids or whatever? You know, is this a is this centipede? A arcade? Yeah. Yes, is this is centipede or or whatever that has that ball. Zzz. You know. Anyway, I didn't mean to digress no, 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 there. But I, well, like, because I don't think I was I wasn't flying that much in the early '90s. When I was a 
kid, we didn't go anywhere, so I didn't I didn't fly that often. So I never saw those. That's <laughs> wow. I mean, it doesn't surprise me. But, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so then let's talk about like where we are now. Obviously, form factors changed quite a bit. Obviously, you know, it's a little more you know intuitive, yeah. a lot more touchscreen type oh, yeah. stuff going yeah, on yeah. now. And and maybe let's talk a little bit about what you think is next as far as form factor for kiosks and self service. Well, I'd say historically, and you can look at the airport check-in kiosks. Uh, they used to be very large, heavy metal, just big devices. Uh, those form factors have slimmed down entirely. Uh, and this is, again, just market demand. As the market demands more and more of these, the costs have to come down. The form factors have to be more simplified. The proprietary nature of some of the first kiosks have to be reduced. So all these things are creating, I would call it, more standardization. And through that standardization, we're finding that adoption can increase significantly. So I would say that the, the form factors have become more modular. Uh, they're because of the, the all-in-ones, the types of computers have shrunk in size, the, uh, the pervasiveness, where you can place now kiosks are, it's incredible where you can find technology. And we'll talk briefly about where it's going, let's say, but uh, some of the opportunity here is that fixed POS, as an example, isn't going away. Uh, in many cases, if you go to your grocery store, they didn't take away a bunch of lanes to add self-checkout. In many cases, they just added additional functionality. So they added the self-checkout lanes. I think when you look at retail, you're still going to have two to four fixed POSs in an average retailer. Uh, and that's, a, I'd say, the average today. Uh, they're going to add SCO. They'll add a self-checkout option, whether that's a convertible option from a fixed to self-checkout where they're flipping the screen, uh, or will it be something where they'll have two different options? So that's still to be determined. I think retail is the next frontier and where self-checkout will uh, grow significantly. We've already seen from the self-order standpoint where more and more hospitality, fast casual QSRs are moving to all self-order. And the form factors, again, are, are very simplified. They're, uh, they're easier to use from the software standpoint. And they might now only have one fixed register or two. Uh, but this, again, is, is this evolution uh, as we look at this. But the idea that self-checkout is going to take over the fixed POS for, for partners out there that self-fix today, it's not going away. This is the add-on to that. And when you look at self-order, uh, you're empowering those employees to both make a choice. Do I want to take them to a register? Do I want to use the self-checkout? And you're also adding this mobile factor to this. And so the mobile side of it is, uh, is a checkout. It's still an assisted checkout, but it's a different form factor than your traditional uh, self, let's say. Uh, so again, there's a lot of evolution that's occurring because of the ability to have a self-checkout option. And then how does that play into the fixed? How is it adapting and, and driving to the mobile uh, for the line busting for that, uh, that uh, point of product checkout? But again, it all comes together, let's say, in, in, in the next generation of, of in-store experience for, for customers. Let's talk about the, the software real quick, because I think that that has been an instrumental mm -hmm. part in, in kind of transforming things over the years. Right. I mean, ELO does a fantastic job. Obviously, they have ELO View, but they also have a very tapped-in uh, disposition, if you will, at the ISV community. And because I think the software integration 
is obviously complicit to making sure that these solutions are much more advanced than they used to be, right? right? right. I mean, when we sit here and jokes, part of the joking is how bad the software was back then, right? I mean, right. but you know, your interfaces are much more streamlined. The GUIs are a lot better. The software development companies that are out there that are bleeding edge, I think are really adding to the fact of if, where we are today and where we're going to be in the future right. uh, and their ability to kind of tap into things. Are, are you seeing that, Luke, uh, you know, the software community? Because I know you guys, ELO, does just such a fantastic job on that front. And it's a true initiative for you guys, right? It, it truly is. Uh, I would say software and hardware, when those two groups work together, you have some of the best experiences. One of the big changes is that people are, uh, people, software is moving to the cloud. So when we look at the edge compute side, you're seeing more app-based, you're seeing more uh, web-based type experiences, which are natural to the consumer. Uh, these used to be very fixed location, call it executable type applications that were difficult to update. Uh, they weren't really real time in many cases. Uh, there was some lag that occurred. Nowadays, where the, the holy grail is this unified shopping cart, where if I placed an order online, if I bought it in store, it doesn't matter. It's all the same cart. And they probably know who I am from a loyalty standpoint. And so when you start looking at all of this being brought together, the experience through that software is incredible. It's fast. It's it's seamless. It's like using my phone at home or a tablet, and it becomes very natural for people. Now, granted, if you go back to the late 90s and people are like, what's a phone? What's a tablet? You didn't have these <laughs> Right. So everything was done with a mouse. You joked about that trackball mouse, but those things were real because people had the, the, the understanding of the mouse. But now everyone has an understanding of a touchscreen. And so when you look at touch and you look at how the adoption of both web and app based experiences have made their way into these uh, the different self uh, checkout, self order uh, type op options, let's say, it, it is incredible that the differences, but it is, again, going back to saying the software companies working with the hardware uh, companies to ensure that it is the best overall experience. It is very quick, seamless. And then we like to say that this ELO is modular by design. Uh, not all experiences are the same. Some experiences you want a larger screen for to see food. You want to see it clear and vivid. You might want to integrate different types of payment terminals and scanners, depending on, the, on those use cases. Self-checkout, you may, might need an omnidirectional scanner. You might need cash management. But you want this modular capability in which ELO is very much known for. And then again, partnering with those software folks for the integration is just a is a game changer. Another thing that I think is going to drive it as we kind of in the software world, if you will, is the whole analytics. And so if we could just kind of digress a little bit off of the self-serve checkout, I think, and, and Luke, I'd love to hear your comment here. There's there's a self-service world that is happening within a retail or hospitality space that's beyond just the checkout experience. Right, Meaning, right. you know, I know Elo's involved in such things as virtual, um, uh, not dressing rooms, but you know, you know what I'm saying, uh, where you can walk up and you can try on clothes. Yeah, you know, yeah, virtually and yeah. things of that change. Or maybe it's in-aisle type kiosks where you get more information. The reason why this is going to be have so much more traction is because the retail and hospitality space right now is getting 
highly scrutinized from an analytics standpoint, right? Mm -hmm. People mm -hmm. want information. Retailers want information. They want to provide the vendors, the suppliers with the information. What right. is the heat map on my floor? Where are things being sold? Why did people pause in this area? What right. you know? Right. Did the information that we provide them make them do a further purchase down right. the line? How can we tie all that data together? It's it's more and more data intensive, right? So yep. how can we facilitate? Well, you facilitate it through self-governing or self-selected uh, types of processes. Now you can just garner more of that information, right? I mean, Elo's world is beyond just the checkout, right? Uh, right? We're going, Luke, Very we're going so. like throughout the facility, right? Very much so. And it, it, is, it goes back to identifying that practical need. Uh, price checkers. Price checkers are required in some states based on the size and footprint of your store. Uh, we've been doing price checkers now for years. Uh, it's a requirement, but how do you turn that price checker now into a multi-information center? How do you turn it into a point of convenience for your customers where you could have endless aisle, where you can check a price, you could see coupons or promotions? Uh, in many cases, they're, they're moving to virtual. How do I actually talk to an employee virtually? Uh, and this is, again, the next frontier where I really bring in that human factor to self-service. But uh, just to, to make the point, we see returns kiosks. We see BOPIS or pickup kiosks. We see uh, price checkers. We see wayfinding kiosks. We see point of product kiosks. As you look at technology sales or other types of more complex uh, products, you want to have something that at point of product, you can share how this really works, the promotions and offers, uh, the benefits that might come with that. Uh, and, and again, that's just on the, on the retail side. You look at uh, boats and automotive, you have now uh, kiosks that serve content and information in terms of uh, product info in, in those types of areas. You might have uh, at a dealership, specialization, customization, personalization is such a key factor for some. And so how do I personalize my vehicle? How do I, the rims, the bumpers, the, the different things that I might choose or offer, how do I see that full catalog of opportunity in, in terms of an endless aisle? And then you get to the experiential, the dressing rooms. How do I try things on? How do I understand the different colors and options, fits and uh, capabilities of a, a garment or a, an experience? But uh, ticketing kiosks, again, we talked about airports, but if I can go to uh, uh, buy my ticket for my ski lift pass or other, but uh, ticketing's everywhere. But the idea of, of self-service is, uh, is, is enormous. And again, I go back to just information. What if I need to talk to a plumber in an aisle at a DIY store, or I want to talk to an electrical expert? How do I get these people anywhere? And that's, again, how do I create experiences that I now involve uh, the, the, the idea of that human factor through technology? And there is a, and it's public, so this isn't sharing uh, private information, but United Airlines did a great job of connecting their gate agents uh, with technology where I can simply Yes, through mobile at my home or at the gate, I can do it through my phone, but I can also go to a kiosk and also talk to a gate agent live. And so again, these are just uh, new emerging ways that through technology, we're, we're better connecting people uh, to people with the answers, let's say, to create that, that practical need, that convenience that's so desired. I like the fact that you went down the kiosk angle because I was going to bring that up too. Mm -hmm. I'm really fascinated at the 
kind of the light speed that you're starting to see kiosks like pickup towers and or self-serve kiosks, lockers. Right, There's lots right. of names for them. But, you know, in this self-serve world, I, like my daughter who's in college right now, she'll order stuff. There's a locker. You know, there's an Amazon right, locker right. within feet of where she lives. And it, it just gets dropped off yeah. all the time. I mean, this is a kiosk. But, but you're going to start seeing those types of solutions. I'm starting to see them like literally everywhere, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. warehouse applications, uh, you know, mechanics garages that where the tools are now ser- put in these, you know, these uh, self-serve basically right. kiosks. So, oh, I need this wrench and you need a touch screen and voop, robotics right. will bring it right to you. And you, you know, have a better I, option of tracking it too. You have yeah. a better option. All the benefits that come into right, that right. kind of a world, and the and the and the other thing that we've talked about was as it relates to smart lockers. So um, you're starting to see. I'm glad you kind of tapped on that a little bit there, Luke. Right? I mean, that's that's one world. It kind of speaks to your whole chart changing of preferences, right? I mean, people. We want things on demand kind of a thing, and they're getting very comfortable with interfacing with technology to make that to serve that demand. I guess at, at the end of the road, right? Yeah, and I'd, I'd be doing Elo a disservice if I didn't say healthcare. When you look at uh, check-in kiosks, when you look at cafeteria convenience, you look at uh, and throughout the healthcare environment, I'm not going to call uh, some of the things we might do in surgical theaters and anesthesiology and other areas that uh, are, are kiosks. But again, there's so many areas of convenience that are are being created. Let's say in the healthcare environment, hospitals are large. How do you use wayfinding to help uh, locate uh, the digital experience, the floor, uh, the patient locators, the check-ins? Guys, people want to know who's in your building. Being able to walk up to lobby technology to get a printed badge is another way of self-service where I used to have to wait in line to talk to the security guard. Now there's a bank of areas where I can check in and identify who I am uh, as I'm in that building and checking in, checking out, which goes to a little bit of the analytics side, which is a different spin on it, let's say. But across every single vertical, you will find different ways that self-service is impacting. Uh, Human resources, being able to go to the back of a a house of a a retail hospitality type business and be able to log into an HR experience or be able to understand your benefits through a larger display in the back. I might go through and see the the reports from a previous day or uh, some automation in terms of my factory and production. I might go to a kiosk to see uh, what's occurring there at any given time and I can dig down into the detailed reports rather than yesterday's printed material. There's so much going on in the world that enables self in the terms of getting information that you need to do your job better or the convenience in retail hospitality or getting basic services through medical or others. But again, the idea that a a kiosk is so pervasive when you stop and you think about it. Well, I I like that we took this conversation into the broader world of Mm, self-service. There's much more beyond just Retail, retail, you know, where we typically check out. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That said, I do want to take us back up to self checkout for a ah, moment because yes. I want to address some of the the negativity I think that lives <laughs> out there, and in particular, this interesting CNN business article I came across a couple months back, and well, I've actually it's been CNN. Well, that's true. I'm just kidding. I've been, <laughs> I've been I've been holding on to this one for a little while of like because it really kind of like stuck in my crawl a little bit. Like, really? Yeah. What are you talking? What are you trying to say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The t- so the title of it, which is exactly what caught my eye, is that mm-hmm. nobody likes self checkout. Here's why it's everywhere. <laughs> and essentially it's, it is just a, a completely like almost negative article about self checkout and all the reasons why, like, uh-huh. why are we even doing this? Right. Everyone hates this. It's all a nightmare for customers. It's a nightmare for the stores. Why are we doing it? I'm like, come on, really? Here was a couple little things they <laughs> shouted out. One it says 67% of shoppers say they experienced failure in self checkout. Now I feel like it's one of those things like, all right, that could be a broad 
Well, actually, I believe that number's kind of low. It probably right? is I mean, because it, we've all experienced in the history something. of self checkout. I mean, everybody's had a little glitch. Yeah, a little exactly. Hiccup, you know? I mean, we've all had times where you're checking out and I don't yeah. know something goes wrong or something right. can't scan or yeah. the assistant the needs wrong to button. come over. Yeah, right. so yeah, someone comes over and helps you out. Yeah. Whatever. Right. Uh, and then the really interesting little thing is a um, this was a an emeritus professor at the University of Leicester in, in U, the UK who studies retail losses said. If you had a retail store where 50% of transactions were through self-checkout, losses would be 77% higher. Oh, man. But, that's a pretty bold well, and that claim. Was, that was a big part of, you know, we'll get into some of that t- here, too. But that was a big part of this article was this idea of s- suggesting that self-checkout leads to more loss. More loss? Leads to really? more theft. I now, see. the theft thing, I just don't buy it. I understand, yes, there are people that will take advantage of, of course. it. That will of course. scan one thing and drop five in yeah. their bag or something. Although the systems, know. I think, are getting very sophisticated they on They're that They're much front. smarter about yeah. that, exactly. You know, but yes, people will do that. But I don't, I don't think, just because no, someone's not directly watching you or doing it for you, it's not like we all just suddenly turn into thieves. We're not all just like, <laughs> no one paying attention. No I'm gonna, at the gate. I'm yeah. going to buy one item and take 20. You know, I, I just don't feel like that's really happening. Uh-huh. But, uh-huh. but I wanted to kind of address some of these things because these are going to be some pushback that our VARs are going to get yep. from maybe some of their customers when they're trying to talk to them about implementing yeah. self-service checkout and, and the idea of more self-service options yep. in, in their environment. So there's a few I wanted to get into. Let's start with um, one of the things the article mentions is that, you know, a lot of these companies say that installation's a headache and maintenance is a nightmare for these kind of devices. So let's address that first, mm. Luke. What would you say if someone said, hey, I don't want to do this. It's going to be hard to get installed and it's and and who knows how, how, how often it's going to keep breaking down on me, which I frankly would say, well... Your fixed POS probably has the same yeah, issues too, right. but mm-hmm. let's 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 start with that. How would you address that particular uh, pain point? Well, I mean, reality is uh, many stores weren't designed for self-service. So yes, you're trying to shift your checkout environments. You're trying to redo your millwork. You're uh, you're making change. So for some, yeah, I guess if you're not designing for it early on, you're retrofitting. Depending on the the, the time frame that they surveyed, folks, there, there's things to think about. Let's say, and so. And that's where the partners can be such a value is, is providing those consultative services to say how to implement that. Uh, it's still technology. So when you look at technology to understand it, to, to manage it, it it's going to have the same uh, challenges and, and, and same benefits, let's say, as, as your point of sale that you have to manage and, and, and deal with. So I would say the, the notion that those are two big issues are well, yeah, waking up in the morning can be an issue for some too. It's not, it, it, it's, it's commonplace implementing technology, I would say. Uh, but I'd also make the comment though, that in the way that ELO is managing these digital touch points uh, through standardizations, through simplifying form factor, through the modularity, we are making it a lot easier. Because if you remember some of the, the, the self-checkouts of old, they were these huge bus-like devices that, yeah, to, to haul these things in took forklifts and other things. Uh, they were they were enormous. Uh, I think you look at self-checkout today, uh, people can wheel them in on a, on a dolly and, and set them in place. You got to have power. You got to have data. Uh, so there's things you got to think about ahead of time. But I would say that a lot of that is we're, we're shifting away from some of the complexity that you might have seen even two, three years ago. Uh, and then again, the, the technology comment, it's tech. It's going to have its challenges. But the way that ELO is working through some of the Android options, as well as standardization, again, I think we're simplifying that. Uh, but I want to go through this whole idea, and, and maybe it's the next question here, but 
that people aren't adopting it or they don't like it. Uh, I think there's some very vocal people around this, but you're seeing the adoption and the driving. It's not the evil business people that are like, oh my gosh, we got to implement this because we don't want to pay employees. Customers are demanding it. They want the consumer benefit. And you, you read off a stat earlier, but we are seeing what I would call generational change. Generationally, people want this level of convenience. Now, again, I go back to this human factor. So how do you get around the idea that, hey, this didn't scan properly. Oh, this doesn't have a barcode on it. You need that person there to help and assist. And uh, certain retailers uh, do it really well and others don't. And so you'll find winners and losers in this space. But I think people are figuring out that, yeah, you still need the employee factor. You still need someone to help you through these different transactions to make sure that the convenience benefit isn't overweighed by conflict because I couldn't get through that transaction simply and easily. And then I'll go to the shrinkage comment. The idea that theft, theft happens all over stores, unfortunately. Uh, and, and when you look at self-checkout, uh, there's now cameras, this, the way that the scanners operate. There's so many different things that are being implemented to try to catch this. But again, I still go back to this human factor. Uh, there are different ways that, that retailers are working through the shrinkage side of this. But again, the benefit from convenience, I think, outweighs some of the loss concerns. Agree. Yeah, and as I dove into this article, because, you know, just to go back to the dissatisfaction where, where, where he was just at, you know, again, the rationale back. And now they cited an article, a 2003 Nielsen right. survey. Right. Uh, a lot's uh, changed When since they then. were trying to, you know, make the argument that the rationale was economics based and not focused on customer back right, then, right. you know, from the get go, customers detested it. But even back then in this 2003 survey, 52% of shoppers considered self checkout lanes to be open. Okay, now wait a minute. Let's go back to 2003. Right. Again, not everybody right. had cell phones. And this the technology is, wasn't nearly as good. The world, yeah. right? But even then, 52% of shoppers were okay with it. Right. 16% found them very frustrating. 32% called them great so even back this is like yeah, the initial yeah. implementation of this of this technology i don't know man i thought it was really a stretch to reach back almost 20 years to, right, to get a survey right. of how people were interacting with self-service kiosks then i mean if you take no it, to, yeah, to, yeah. to luke's point it's changed right there's right. there's a change in the societal uh adaptation of these technologies and people want convenience they're very comfortable with the technology yeah. and this is where it's leading well, to and again you know luke mentioned this earlier too we're not we're still not talking about this idea that like rip out your entire fixed POS no. system and just right. install nothing but self-service. No yeah. one is ever saying that. Right. There are stores that might do that potentially and mm. could potentially get away with it. You know, like Amazon tries to open up stores right. that are essentially yeah. all self-service. Yeah. I get yep. I get that some folks are going to do that. And, and I'm not saying that another 20, 30 years down the road, that might not be the case mm -hmm. when, you know, this technology gets that much better and we've got all like the you know, the machine vision stuff or whatever, they can just scan your cart and let you go and, you know, pay and all and, right. and never have to interact with a human being. Yeah. Fine, we might get there. But yeah, th I think right now about, okay, Super Bowl weekend, uh, holiday weekends, mm -hmm. snowstorms coming and everyone's <laughs> running out to the stores, they're loading their carts up. There's no, there's no place in the world right now where you wouldn't want to have at least a few checkout lanes with yeah. actual physical just human zip, beings. Zip right through. Just for that person, because here's the thing, even though I love self-checkout, I absolutely adore it, the times that I get frustrated with it is not usually because of the technology. Mm -hmm. It's because of the people that walk up to it that clearly have somehow <laughs> seemed like they have never seen this before in their existence. It's yeah. brand new to them. They're not they, as savvy. They take yeah. 20 
20 minutes to check out two bananas, right. you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, that's the stuff. Quit that, hogging the self-checkout. Right. Yeah. That's my frustration. Like, I'm not frustrated with it because the technology's <laughs> not not useful and awesome and uh, works right. I'm frustrated because I'm always frustrated with people. You right. know? Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's a general theme of yours. <laughs> that's yeah. true. People are always the problem. <laughs> so, you know, I, I so I, yeah, I, I agree. I, you know, this this whole notion of like no one wants this, everyone hates this. Yeah. I, I like I said, I saw this article and I thought, like, did, was this an old article I somehow right, came across? Right. Was this like from you know even four um, years ago, pre-pandemic or something? And yeah. no, like it's yeah. someone tries, someone's trying to put the take out there right now that no one wants to do this. And I just yeah. hard disagree, and I figure we would all hard disagree yeah. on that one. Well, too, and at the so. end of the article, not to keep harping on it, but they do come around to the fact that hey, you know, right. it's here to stay. You yeah, know, exactly. and they quote uh, a guy, a former executive from Dollar General. It says it's an arms race. If everyone else is doing it, you look like an idiot. <laughs> It if you don't have it so once the cat's out of the bag pretty much it's difficult to not you know, to do a type of thing and and while that's fine and all i i, I think again going back to what luke's it, it's it's really it's the, it's people what people want right. right it's the convenience you know and we've had that discussion before though i think i think when we've talked about retail and self-checkout probably at some point that a lot of the times the people who do want this and do embrace it are some of the people that you want the most as your customers. Oh, sure. It's the folks that have disposable income. That's it's right. It's the folks that are more you know, comfortable with technology. It's younger generations mm-hmm. that you want to make a customer for life. So if you're not doing the thing that makes them want to come back to your store and you're only saying, no, I'm not going to do this. I just want my solid customers that are now in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and beyond that mm-hmm. want nothing to do with technology. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. They're not going to be around forever, and if you want to have staying power with the younger generations, you should be embracing this. Even if it's the smaller portion of your business right now, yeah. at some point, it's going to be your the entire customer base that you have. And if you didn't embrace this early on and you didn't adopt it early on, mm-hmm. it's not like they're going to stop doing it. Right. It's not like the younger generations, when they get into their midlife you know, and later, <laughs> are suddenly going to go, nope, I don't nope. like this technology anymore. Yeah. I want to go back to lines. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> Luke, did you have some I'm final thoughts? I'm in here. I'll just, any one of those folks that are saying, oh, I just don't like self-service and, and, and the idea of self-checkout, get behind someone who's doing a return in a lane and there's one lane open or get behind someone who's got 75 items and they're working through it with a coupon for each item. <laughs> you get behind some of these folks and we know that this, these things happen. And then you look over there and there's this kiosk saying, hey, I'm ready. And you've got one item to check out. That person's going to say, oh, God, I'm so happy they have self-checkout because I'm going to be through this in less than a minute mm-hmm. through the self-checkout process. And so I go back to these people, oh, I'm not going to do their work for them. This is just a, again, it's an outdated mindset. But when you look at the convenience factor and how retail, again, hospitality, all the folks that are adopting the idea of the kiosk and self-service, they're providing more convenience to their customers. And you're always going to run into these situations where, yeah, it wasn't perfect. That, that's going to happen. But when you get stuck behind someone who's you know working with someone and they're having this, uh, an experience or they've got a, an absolute large quantity of product and you just want the convenience factor, every single person is going to say, wow, I was so thankful they had self-checkout. It, it, it is the truth. Yep. Great point. For sure. Because yep. that, yeah, again, that one person, just, just you know, mm-hmm. the idea of one person having a better experience because of that. Mm-hmm. And then maybe that person comes back the next time and buys 10 times as much. You know, you never know. Like, yeah, right. why would you want to turn off any single customer whatsoever? That's right. For any reason. Yeah. yeah. 
All right. Hey, this has been good stuff. Uh, Before we get into our usual value of the VAR segment, I do want to, as always, thank our Tech Connect sponsors for the program, Mm -hmm. our Tech Connect members, the folks that support the podcast. Thank you so much to ELO. You guys throw a lot of support behind us in this podcast. We appreciate you and appreciate you lending us folks like Luke to come on here and talk about this stuff. Uh, As always, if you want to stay in touch with us, well, first of all, if you like the show, let us know. Yep. Believe it or not, one of the most important ways that you can support a podcast is simply telling them that you like it. Yep. And we do ta- a rating. We were talking about Just this when we were out and about at Vartech, how mm-hmm. many people came by and yeah, just said, yeah. hey, I like hey, what you guys are doing. Stuff. Yeah, right. You know what? That's great. I love to hear that. But we don't get a chance to get out there and have someone tell us that stuff mm-hmm. personally. So leave us rating your views. If you're watching on YouTube, hit the like button for this yep. episode. Drop a comment. Just tell us, hey, what are your thoughts? Do you like self-checkout? Mm-hmm. Yay or nay? Just t- <laughs> tell us what you think. Uh, and if it's nay, what are you doing in this business? Uh, <laughs> if you, uh, if whatever podcast platform you listen on, if there's an opportunity to rate and review, especially if you're on iTunes using the you know the Apple Podcast, leave us a five star rating and review. We want to hear from you. Know what you think about the or show. If they're looking to improve their wardrobe, they could right. We have a solution exactly. There. If you're looking for just one extra shirt in yep. your wardrobe, mm-hmm. maybe you know maybe it's you're cleaning out after the summer and yep. thinking, oh, yep. I need to get rid of some stuff that doesn't fresh fit anymore. T-shirt. I need yeah. a fresh T-shirt, something comfy. All you have to do to get a fresh new Tech Connect podcast t-shirt is to submit an idea to us on what you want to hear about on the show. Bingo. Very simple. Just that easy. There's a few ways you can do that. One, you can go to a link in our show notes, which has the uh, a link to a you know little survey that you can take online quickly mm-hmm. and just tell us, hey, what do I want to hear about the show? You can also connect with us two different places. You can always find us on Twitter, at Tech Connect Pod. You can email us, techconnect at bluestarinc.com. All right, let's wrap things up here. Let's start with our value to the VAR. Yeah. Uh, and again, this is one of those topics where I feel like if you didn't get value out of this already, I don't know what to tell you. But right. Right. we're going to let Luke talk a little bit more about how ELO provides some real value here. So how's ELO helping out with VARs that are trying to bring self-service specifically to the SMB world? Mm-hmm. Like the big dogs out there, you know, mm-hmm. they've probably got it covered already. Or if, if they're not doing it, that's, I don't know, who knows what their problem is. But, <laughs> you know, a lot of our VARs work in the SMB world where maybe they need to tackle some some folks who... Just not sure if this is for them, if this is what they want. You know, how is ELO going to come in and help that out? Well, it, it does start with with our core offerings. We create some of the most uh, advanced, easy to use, modular products. And so whether you're a Windows, Linux, Android shop, uh, depending if um, you what type of payment you need, the size of screen, all those types of things, ELO brings it together through our modular by design approach. Our Wallaby stands are simple, cost-effective ways to start in self-service uh, and, again, creating this ease-of-use type environment. But I'll also go back to the, the team of people I work with. We're highly passionate. We understand the touch point. We know the partners and players in the software world, and we can bring all of this together to help our VAR community be successful implementing self-service. Uh, and in many cases, if you're not working with the software partner within the customer you're trying to support, they oftentimes have an attachment for self-service that can be easily implemented. And they're, again, most of them are already certified with ELO products. So I would just say that uh, by contacting, reaching out to your, your, your ELO professional, uh, someone to help you drive into this type of new offering if it is new for you. And then I think you'd be impressed with the breadth of our portfolio and how simple it is and easy it is for your customers to implement. 
Bingo. What is the opportunity here, right? When you you think about SMB, folks, there is opportunity there to implement these types of solutions. I know we were were joking about bringing in forklifts and dropping off a huge (laughs) kiosk, and that's where we were maybe 20 years ago. No, today, especially through the offerings that ELO provides, you there is opportunity there, and it's right, all the way right. down to the SMB. You you can implement solutions at a small boutique store if if you want. These are these are options that are out there, and how wonderful once you see an opportunity to be able to leverage the types of relationships, resources. Yep. Uh, Luke, I'm going to comment again on uh, ELO's ability to tap into the ISV community. I'm telling you, we they've got vetted solutions. If you're looking for whatever it is in whatever world, and that's why our DNAs, meaning Blue Stars and, and ELO's DNAs, are so closely aligned, uh, because we embrace that that part of the community, right? So if you're looking for a solution that is specific to a dry cleaner or something, maybe you need a dry cleaner uh, a kiosk, right? right, if, right. You, that's one of your customers. We we got a solution for you. We got the Wallaby. We got a POS system that can be, you know implement there. These are the types of things that, that can enable SMB types of businesses to drive and thrive and compete in this self-compete, yep. uh, self-service world. I agree. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to give a quick call back to one of Luke's previous episodes with us about consultative selling. Oh, right. And, yes. and, and it's exactly some of the stuff that you mentioned earlier on this episode, Luke, where you talked about, hey, you know, maybe you have a good conversation with someone mm-hmm. who's, who's a little bit like, ah, I don't know that I need self-service. And yeah, ask them right. a question, but like, hey, um, was there ever a time that someone waste was just killing minutes of time at the register because they were digging out <laughs> coupons or trying to find their checkbook mm-hmm. or checkbook. trying to make a return. <laughs> hey, people still do it, believe it or not. My mom's one of them. Uh, you know, like the folks that are out there, you know, that are that are slowing down the process. I guarantee mm-hmm. you anyone who has ever worked at checkout has not one, probably a few dozen stories about someone who just <laughs> slowed up the works, yep. created a line, yep. was a nightmare for everyone else waiting that, that hit, right. had a simple checkout and something easy to do. Mm-hmm. That right there, that kind of stuff, That when you start that consultative process and ask about, mm-hmm. you know, what about this? Have you ever encountered this? Uh, do you have a lot of young customers? Have you ever had someone ask you about self-checkout? Any of that kind of stuff. And you, that's the kind of stuff where you start getting enough answers, you're going to compile your own case for yourself and for them about why this is a, a viable option. And yeah, it might be just as simple as like, hey, one self-service kiosk. That yep. might be all you need. Yep. We're just simply making yep. a way that when, if anyone wants to use this, yep. there's now they got that convenience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit of consultative selling can go a long way to, and a little bit of asking probing questions can mm-hmm. go a long way to figuring this out. Yeah. So yeah. Good I stuff. Think there's, there's definite opportunity. That's right. And guys, I love that you focused on the SMB because that is the next frontier. As you mentioned, the large enterprise, they have the resources, they, they, they can figure that out. Uh, the small, medium business, though, oftentimes these stores and locations have one employee. When they get into the return, when they get into helping somebody, how can they keep that that friction layer, that that convenience high? And you can do that through self-service. And again, Elo has done this so many times for our customers. This is something where we know what we're doing. We know how to do it. We know the partners and, and software companies to make it work. So again, it's it's just starts with reaching out and, and we'll help you be successful. There you go. There you go, as always. All right, well, hey, let's wrap things up today with what's tech next with you. shifting gears, yes. This is our favorite segment. We get to talk about something in the world of science, tech, innovation, yes, something that's yes. got our attention, caught our eye, something yep. we're, we're interested in right now. Uh, Luke, I'll let you start. What's tech connecting with you right now? I'm going to go with two of them today. All right. The James Webb Telescope. I, I'm just geeking out on the imagery for this thing. It is incredible. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I just can't wait to see and hear you know, the, the young people today that now have access to this type of technology and what 
we'll find. It, it's just such a huge mystery. And then the other one was, we sent a satellite to hit an asteroid. So, <laughs> oh, that was mine too. That's a good one. Yes. Uh, the dart thing just, or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just kept it in the space. But the NASA DART Asteroid Impact Project is just such a cool thing to send something millions of miles away to run into an asteroid, change its trajectory. So I just thought both of those were really cool. Now, have we determined, did this work or is that still? Well, no, still no, no. So that was my tech connecting. You got my. So, yeah, right. right. The small asteroid was called Diamorphus. And we spent $325 million to send basically. Which all things considered is not a lot for a space project. <laughs> right. It, it was a it's a vending machine sized satellite so you right, can just right, kind of picture right, what right. it is right and the in the asteroid itself that we smashed into is 525 feet wide so not very not massive it's right. like a football field right. right i mean it's not but it is unbelievable when you think about the science it was 6.8 million miles away and we hurled this thing going 14,000 miles an hour, and we hit something that's the size of a football field 6.8 million miles away, all in the effort to nudge it. They just want to nudge it a right, little bit, right. right? And see if we can knock it off Change its trajectory course, a little, yeah. just so that we could use that same equation maybe in future if, right. we, if we have another asteroid, a bigger, you know, more impact. A world ender is coming A world way, ender yeah. is coming our way. Yeah, do we need to send a school bus after it? And is it actually going <laughs> to work? But I was, I was fascinated like you were, I mean, that, that one kind of captured everybody. And there was this big, hurl, uh, nothing better than watching NASA people really calm, quiet. Yeah. And then all of a sudden this roar. Like, yeah. yeah! <laughs> it's like, oh, they, what'd they just do again? Oh, they, they smashed a vending machine into an asteroid <laughs> 6.8 miles away. Million miles well, away. Well, you know, I'm we sorry. can't get excited about moon landings and Mars landings at all necessarily <laughs> right now. So whatever you can get, whatever they can get excited about. I also thought it was interesting. It was like the Turducken satellite because it also had a little satellite that popped out of it that videotaped the whole impact. I'm like, that's just awesome. <laughs> How geeky is that? I mean, it's how fantastic. cool would it be to work on that? But, but talk about having patience in our impatient world. If you oh, work at yeah. NASA, I mean, that was probably like a five-year project, right? Yeah. And you had no idea if it was going to work. That's or... why they go nuts when that stuff works, because they've been <laughs> yeah. pent up and been filled with nerves and anxiety for years, probably, <laughs> to get to that single point. So to your question, though, we I don't think we're going to know for a while. Okay, It could be years until because we see it's such the, a truly minuscule, the truth. Yes. Yeah. We were literally hoping to just nudge it a little bit so that if it were coming after us, for example, I right. mean, you know, in space terms, if you can nudge something that it's going to miss by 100,000 miles, right. well, a millimeter a today, yeah, could, exactly. It could be hundreds <laughs> right. of thousands or millions of so miles. So more information yeah. to come, but okay. really cool. I was there curious. I know I read about that and heard because it was just last week, I think, that they did that. Yeah. And I yeah. figured, like, we probably don't have any real data yet, but yeah. I'll be interested, yeah. be interested to hear that. And I will say also the James Webb thing. Uh, I, I'm the same as you, Luke. Every time I see an article pop up, like new images for the James Webb Telescope, I'm like, that's yeah, all it. All over it. I'm like, whatever I'm doing, just stop. I'm yeah. going to open this up. I'm going to go look <laughs> through these images and just be in awe. Yeah. Like, I, but to your point, yes, like the future generations and like just kids. And I, like, I think about my son when he gets into school and he starts learning a little bit about space and science and astronomy. Mm -hmm. And granted, I've even shown him some of these pictures now. And I know like right now he just doesn't, he thinks of like a planet as just like a place where like the Avengers go or, you know, right. Star Wars, you yeah. know, like yeah, it's yeah. all just, you know, theoretical to him but when he under starts understanding how big the universe is and when i can explain to him like this imagery you're seeing is so beyond anything we've ever remotely seen yep. in you know in our entire lifetime like i just i'm, I'm amazed by what we're seeing out there it's just it's it, yeah. one of the i think one of the most underrated amazing space projects we've ever undertaken is, mm -hmm. is our ability mm -hmm. to, to just have such clear imagery of what's happening in the universe yeah. right now yeah. it is cool it's, no it's, doubt it's about amazing. it yeah so, 
All right, I'll wrap things up here with you. Yeah, I frequently talk about um, the idea of uh, AI and robots and yes, end of the world scenarios. Oh yes, yes, of course. I treat it fairly jokingly. Well, Uh I will say no, we're not (laughs) enough today. Actually, I have some positive news on this front. So there's an interesting article I came across uh, about a couple couple gentlemen uh, in the field of philosophy Mm. who co-wrote a book together, basically suggesting that. We shouldn't be this worried about this. And the name of the book is called Why Machines Will Never Rule the World, Artificial Intelligence Without Fear. And essentially, they use fundamental concepts of philosophy to talk about how AI is really never going to get where it could potentially step away from the boundaries we create for it Mm -hmm. and learn faster than us and better than us and Mm -hmm. take over the world. And Mm -hmm. they give some reasoning behind this. So they're saying, hey, AI is obviously advancing, but we're still nowhere near human capacity of what the human brain can can handle and do. This is true. And also that the reason why AI probably can't get to that point is because most of what AI can do is based on our inputs. Right. So unless we figured out someone maliciously intended and figured out a way to program AI to intentionally become better than us and overthrow us. Mm-hmm. And again, even if they could try, someone would want willingly try to do that, could they even do it? And their suggestion is no, probably not. Hmm. So I want to give a couple quick quotes that they had from this article and from their book that really kind of resonated with me of why we shouldn't be all that concerned about this. One of them noted that they, um, they compare the idea of artificial intelligence going beyond human general human intelligence with the idea that this rests on fundamental mathematical impossibilities that are analogous in physics to the impossibility of building a perpetual motion machine. All right. AI that would match the general intelligence of humans is impossible because of the mathematical limits on what can be modeled and is computable. Ah. Uh, and then they note also a little bit later, like in a direct quote from one of the authors, um, he says, to overcome these barriers would require a revolution in mathematics that would be of greater significance than the invention of the calculus by Newton and Leibniz more than 350 <laughs> years ago were not holding our breath. I see. Huh. <laughs> so That's I, an interesting take. I, I thought so, too. I was like, all yeah. right, like, I like that we're, you know, suggesting that this isn't, you know, going to be too out of control. Uh, they also mentioned technology skeptics do not, of course, have a perfect record. They've been wrong in regard to pr- breakthroughs <laughs> ranging from spaceflight to nanotech. Hmm. But these gentlemen say their, art- their arguments are based on mathematical implications of the theory of complex systems. For mathematical reasons, AI cannot mimic the way the human brain functions. In fact, the authors say that it's impossible to engineer a machine that would rival the cognitive performance of a crow. Whoa. Okay. if we're not able to get past crow Crow level, level? we probably don't have to worry too much about getting to human level. So I thought that was a little bit of a... A little bit of a positive. Okay. All right. You know, yeah. For any yeah, of us yeah, that yeah. worry. What's the name of the book again? I might have to read uh, some of this stuff or the article or there was. I'll, of course, it's, it's as book, always, right? I'll link Put the article in the show, in the show notes. notes yeah, but yeah, the, yeah. the name of the book is Why Machines Will Never Rule the World Artificial Intelligence Without Fear. And clearly, they've never seen Terminator 2 and <laughs> well, Cyberdyne. They literally even <laughs> mentioned Terminator in this article. Like, you know, the idea that happening is just highly unlikely that we will okay. get to that All point. Right. So All I thought it was a very. Very good article. I thought it was a very interesting uh, take on AI yep. and why we shouldn't be so concerned Fair about enough. taking over. There's hope. Despite, as they mentioned in the article, what Elon Musk said, where it would be beyond <laughs> us in five years. Five years. Or that was yeah. in 2020, he said that. So. Okay. Yeah. We'll see who's All right. right. That does it for us today. Luke Wilwarding from ELO, thank you so much Thanks, for joining Luke. us. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Always a good time.
Until next time, uh, don't worry so much about AI. Yep. There's plenty of other problems you can stress plenty and worry about. Plenty of other about. problems. There you go. Uh, find some some beautiful images to look at f- from space. And, uh, yeah, and, and think about what we need you? to what we need to throw at a at an asteroid next. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's one of those old kiosks. Yeah, those old giant self service. Yeah, just we lob can, them up there. Some of those are still laying around in a warehouse. We can lob those out at the next asteroid. There you that go. <laughs> and as always, folks, please stay connected. Technic podcast is brought to you by Elo. All right, Dean, we talked about self-service we today. Did. Let's talk about one product with thousands what? of uses. That's a big claim. That's a, a very big claim. Let's dive in. The possibilities are endless with Elo's iSeries 4. From mm. self-order there and self-checkout yep, to yep. order pickup and virtual assistance, pair the iSeries with a variety of stands to create your perfect kiosk. Talk about kiosk Bingo. Today. Uh, audio and video applications. Check. No problem. The iSeries offers built-in digital microphones and an 8-megapixel camera iSeries also lets retailers build engaging experiences, educate buyers, create brand awareness, and drive purchases in-store with an easy-to-use interactive platform that can adapt as needs change. With a built-in I.O. hub, USB-C connectivity, and optional customer-facing display, you can easily convert your favorite iSeries into a powerful industrial design POS system. Your favorite modularity. There you go. There's that modularity. Hey, did we, we just talk, talk about all this stuff? They're it's, hitting it, nailing it. Seriously, like they, yeah. we're, they're backing up. Like we're not. They're not just just, you know, spouting off right. flames about They got the they product. It there it is. So to learn more about the uh, about the iSeries and select your perfect display for your customers' needs, contact your Blue Star ELO representative. And hey, let's move on a little bit further here. Let's get, let's get a little further into what ELO can do mm. with their iSeries yes. display and with self-service. So if you're thinking about versatility, uh-huh. again, that modularity, modularity. Mm-hmm. ELO's Edge Connect offers a wider assortment of peripheral options for your digital displays. It does. Whether for endless aisle, self-order again, collaboration, yep. you can seamlessly attach up to four peripherals to the touchscreen edge with flexibility to add, remove, or change later as needed. All right, let's talk nice. about some of the peripherals you can add. All right. Temperature sensors. You're going to need it. Status lights. Yep. 3D or conference cameras. Of course. Barcode scanners. Yeah, duh. Card readers. Yes. Collaboration tools. All right. Payment cradles. <laughs> yeah. All this stuff. If you can't find peripherals to meet any customer needs, you just aren't trying at Boom. this point. There it is. So there you go. iSeries 4, Edge Connect. To learn more about all this stuff, check out the links in the show notes or contact your Blue Star account manager.